Welcome one and all to Power Bombs and Pile Drivers, a wrestling appreciation podcast. I am your host, Chris Cook, and we are doing our first two-parter. Uh, the second part will be joined by frequent co-host Stereo Mike. Um, we kind of alluded to it during our uh, price check on the Jackass Steve Austin appreciation episode. Um and we are looking at the NWO, uh, one of the most uh, impactful um, factions in professional wrestling history. Uh, their impact is still being felt today in numerous good and arguably bad ways. Um, so we're splitting this up into two parts. One's kind of looking at the... Uh, the history of the group, and then we're going to be joining with Mike to look at, like, the pop culture impact of the group, because, make no mistake, the NWO was huge for wrestling. It was absolutely huge. Uh, the logo is still a commonly accepted shirt outside of wrestling circles today. Um, so the NWO has had a, a huge impact. And through its uh, many years of existence, uh, there has also been some narratives that have gone on, um, at times populated by WWE, uh, in a very one-sided way to make it uh, make WCW look bad and less than at almost all cost, except for when it's good for WWE. Uh, and part of that narrative has been. Uh, oh, they ripped off an idea from New Japan. Um, there was some commonalities with the idea, but from the mouth of one of the people heavily involved in the NWO himself, Eric Bischoff, um, it wasn't, oh, I saw that in Japan, and I'm like, I'm going to do that here. Now, I know people can easily just be like, well, I'm not going to believe Eric Bischoff, but I tend to give the benefit of the doubt because he can explain it. And also everybody else who has just said it's, Oh, it was a ripoff is someone who has had an issue with Bischoff in the past or currently has an issue with Bischoff and also wasn't involved in the planning at all. So I tend to give the benefit of the doubt, uh, there. So his explanation was, was the idea of, some people that had been mistreated by WCW in the past had gone on and made a bigger name uh, and then came back uh, when WCW was getting hot to to battle them. Um, it wasn't to be like, oh, no, we're an out like we're WWE invading. Um, now, of course, there's little nods to that, but that wasn't the main plan. And Bischoff is also pointed out like w uh wwf at the time would often be like oh they're infringing on our copyright and and scott's being way too close to razor even though scott had been doing a lot of the razor uh razor mannerisms when he was diamond stud in wcw before becoming razor ramon in wwf um and you can believe that being the idea of the story, because when you look at the careers that uh, the late, great Scott Hall would have um, and Kevin Nash would have, they would go on to become huge successes in WWF and then their second stints in WCW. But originally, when they went through WCW, 
especially Nash, um, they were saddled with horrible, horrible gimmicks. Um, yeah, Vinny Vegas Nash was okay. Uh, Diamond Stud was okay. But Nash had also been Oz, which if we ever do um, a Worst Gimmicks podcast, Oz might be on that list. Because, um, yes, in the early 1990s, WCW was like, hey, we know what's hip with the kids. The Wizard of Oz. Hey, Kevin, you're huge. You're going to be Oz. We won't call you the wizard, but still. Um, so it was the idea of people that had been treated terribly by WCW coming back and making an impact as they had been stars and being like, look, you're not worth it. And I'm going to show you that. Um, and then the further idea that cemented that is with Hogan. Um, Hogan had been in WCW since 94, and even though his early reactions in 94 were big, uh, WCW was mostly a Southern audience, um, which was more preferred more of the classic NWA athletic-based wrestling than the, the cartoony, gimmicky-based um, wrestling that you were getting from WWF at the time. So the WCW fans had started booing Hogan a good while before Hogan went heel. So you can see how it's like, hey, two people that had been mistreated by WCW and then the Golden Goose also being like, screw you, y'all are booing me. I'm going to give you a reason. Uh, I'm just going to go bad. And the NWO was formed. Now, one of the other things that almost happened was they were looking at Sting because of outside of Hogan, Sting was the like biggest name or one of them in WCW at the time. Bischoff has said he didn't think it would have gone as well with Sting. Originally, they were expecting the storyline to have maybe six months. So from that year's Bash at the Beach, maybe through Starcade. Um but it took off, and it took off in a big, bad way. Uh, WCW had started to turn the corner, and they had had some back-and-forth wins with uh, with WWF at the time. But they were already starting to win, and then this angle, and its slight reality-based um, storylines where it's like, hey, outside of Hogan, who we're going to name Hollywood— our guys are going to go by their real names. They're not going to go by character names. Uh, we're going to have it look like invading gang warfare. Uh, Nash and Hall were super into to hip-hop and West Coast hip-hop, and anybody who was paying attention to that stuff at the time, especially because of the East Coast-West Coast beef, they were take, uh, basically taking notes from organizations like Death Row um, and other spots and go like, hey, let's implement this. Let's implement some of this thuggish caricatures uh, into our characters. Uh, so we're going to show up with baseball bats. And when we hit people, they're going to go down for a while. Um, we're going to do things that are backstage, which haven't been done a lot ad nauseum at the time. And we're going to add some elements of realism uh, to the point that that famous spot uh, where Nash uh, lawn darts Rey Mysterio into the side of the production trailer. People in the area 
actually thought there was a real gang beating kind of thing going on and the police were actually called uh the you can see sirens at the end of the segment and yeah no the police were actually called um the nwo did huge business for wcw um it they had already started turning the corner and this took them and then some now at this point it was and for a little bit there was initially just the three members of uh of Hogan, Nash and and Hall. Um and they were for the most part uh outside of uh outside of Scott uh due to various uh demons. Um actually Kevin is the longest serving member of the of the NWO. Uh Scott was there for the second longest time and then Hogan for about the third. Um Scott also dipped over to the uh the um the wolf pack briefly. We'll get to the wolf pack in a in a little bit. Um so for for a hot minute and for a good couple months, um it was just those three. Then later that year, they started adding uh other members. You got Ted DiBiase as a member, who was kind of the mouthpiece. Um, and it was the idea of like he was bankrolling them. Then you had uh the giant, uh now known as Big Show, joined soon thereafter. There was also NWO Sting, um, and six, aka Xbox, Sean Waltman. Um these guys joined in the months, uh in the months after. Um then you also had some associates joining as well, Kyle Petty, Miss Elizabeth. Uh, referee Neil Patrick. Um, you had brief members, and by brief, I mean like, hey, they joined just to beat them up. Uh, it was just that kind of thing, and that was the Nasty Boys, Brian Nobbs, and um, uh, sorry, I just can't remember. Uh, Brian Nobbs, and I'm trying to find his name, uh, Jerry Sags. There we go. Was never much of a Nasty Boys guy. Um, and you could argue that the it was it was becoming diluted already, um, but I'll, I'll disagree. So they were. It was like almost two months afterwards um, that Ted DiBiase joined, and then the Giant after that, um, and then. NWO Sting. So the NWO Sting was an interesting spot because as the NWO was forming and it was this great storyline with NWO taking over, WC, like basically taking out and almost taking over WCW, there was an upcoming War Games match and it was forcing, I believe, the Four Horsemen and then uh, Luger and Sting uh, together uh, to combat the, the NWO. Uh, but then someone dressed as Sting, uh, looking like Surfer Sting at the time. And at that point, Sting had also started growing out his hair a bit longer. He was starting to do a little more black and white. He wasn't becoming Crow Sting yet, um, but the seeds were there. That they were this person who bared a good resemblance to Sting. Start Sting started attacking Lex Luger. Um, so then you had Jerry Farmer, NWO Sting, um, making everybody doubt Sting. So then Sting shows up, almost saves the day, but then it, like he 
takes out the NWO in war games, doesn't win. He doesn't win the match for them. And he looks at Lex, <laughs> who's his longtime best friend. It's like, does that is that enough proof for you? And he walks out. NWO wins. The next night, he declares himself a free agent. Uh, Sting slowly starts morphing into his most iconic character, the Crow character. Um, and he becomes, uh, he slowly becomes Sting. Uh, the Crow Sting, the silent Sting. And it eventually builds up to the amazing uh, program. Not so much the amazing match, and we'll get to that part later as well, uh, with NW, uh, NWO versus Sting. Um, so to make a long story short, you just basically had NWO Sting around. Now, he became a much more prominent member of NWO Japan, and we'll get to that subgroup in a, in a hot minute as well. Uh, so after the Nasty Boys, later that year, uh, it was announced who was announcer and vice president of uh, the NWO, uh, sorry, of WCW. Oh, yeah, Vincent joined. <laughs> Forgot about that. Yeah, Vincent joined. He was there to be the 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 guy to take the pins. Um, you also had Miss Elizabeth, um, the Nasty Boys, who were there for uh, about a week. Uh, and then they were joined just to get beat up and kicked out. Um Bischoff uh, joined, which kind of, in a way, made the um, the Ted DiBiase role uh, superfluous. Uh, so that was iffy. Um, then you had Buff Bagwell uh, from <laughs> the American Males join, and Buff actually lasted a long time with the group, and he's one of the many many additions that that made sense um, after after. Um, Buff joined, you had Michael Wall Street, um, aka Mike Rotunda, IRS. Um, he he joined, but then was just simply removed uh by a WCW president <laughs> by a WCW executive. Uh same thing with uh Big Bubba Rogers, aka Big Boss Man, uh or the boss. The man, the guardian angel. He had a lot of gimmicks uh, in WCW because he was known as the boss man and there was a lot of litiga litigation. Um, so after Bubba joined and then was removed in um, in uh, 97, you had Scott Norton uh, join, who was not a big deal in uh, in North America, but he was huge in Japan. Uh, he was huge in Japan. Absolutely huge. And you know what? I'm going to do multiple tabs here just so I can have the two split up. Uh, and sorry, I know I'm going by a member by member thing here. It's just to give the ideas. Um, so Scott Norton joined in December 16th of 1996. So what started out as three by the end of 96, I think we're at around nine, 10, maybe 12. Um, then you had Mascherino Chono, New Japan, uh, who was also a member and I believe the leader of NWO Japan. Uh, shockingly, Randy Savage joined the group, the Macho Man. Uh, may he rest in peace. He joined in February, in February of 2023. Also, a big night during that time, uh, before before that time as well, uh, Hogan lost to Roddy Piper at Starcade. 
but it was not for the championship, so Hogan kept the title. Uh, Hogan had held on to the title for quite some time, and aside for a week or so where he would lose it to Lex Luger on a Nitro, he would basically hold the title for like a year and change. Um, so also, I believe before Super Brawl, you had the disaster uh, pay-per-view that was NWO sold out. Um, it was testing the waters for an NWO-themed show and pay-per-view. Um, the pay- the Nitro, where it became NWO Nitro, I think was later in the year. Um, there was too much set changing on the air. It went on for 20 minutes, so that killed it. Uh, and then the pay-per-view just did not sell that well. I might do a deeper dive on that at a different point. And I'm sorry that I'm kind of going through this quickly. It's just the NWO is... There's a lot of members, <laughs> um, and it was a, a big group. Um, so Savage joined February twenty on February twenty third of nineteen ninety seven, and then there was a good three months where nobody joined. But at that point, the Great Muda um, and and uh, sorry, New Japan Legend, uh, debatably a WCW Legend. Um, and I say debatably not knocking him. Um, it's because he just did not get a fair shake uh, in WCW often. Um, he joined and he would also be a member of NWO Japan. Um, then, and you know what, once we get to the split up, the split up area, that's where I'll, uh, that's where I'll jump over to New Japan. Um, so then uh, Tenzin joined, but NWO Japan. Uh, Conan joined July 14th, 1997. Um, and Conan is, he is a wrestling legend. Like, he was the Hulk Hogan of Mexico. He is one of the biggest draws in, in professional wrestling ever. It's, it's insane when you think about it, just because he never, he never got huge in, in WCW or WWF, but he was huge in Mexico. Uh, and Conan was also instrumental in hooking up many Mexican wrestlers and Lucha Libre wrestlers into both ECW and then later WCW. Um, Kurt Hennig, uh, several months later in September, uh, September of 1997, he joined um, the NWO. And that was in a way a controversial ad, just because at this point you've got many guys being added. Now there is an actual explanation. Um, and I'll get to it, uh, actually when I get to another group. Um, so Hennig joined in September of 1997 after all brawl, um, during, during the, um, the war games match, he turned on the four horsemen, uh, slammed the cage into Ric Flair's skull, and then joined the NWO. Uh, Rick Rude joined in, uh, 19, in, on November 17th, 1997, famously one day after the, um, famously after <laughs> the Montreal screw job, um, and he was on WWF programming somehow at the same time, but that's because it was recorded. And on WWF, he was a member 
the insurance policy of Degeneration X, uh, who, despite what WWE will always try to say, was nowhere. Uh, it's not as big as the NWO. Sorry, WWE. It's not. <laughs> um, and he was on WWF TV with a beard while being on WCW beard, uh, WCW TV with his glorious mustache. Um after that, there was another month or so where no one joined. Uh, Louis Spicoli briefly joined. Um, and I say briefly because he joined on um, February. Uh, he joined in uh, January 15th, 1998 on uh, one of the early episodes of Thunder. Uh, but then he uh, he passed away, I believe, due to... Um, I'm actually going to quickly look it up just because I don't want to be wrong. Um, he did pass away on February 15th. Uh, so one month later, um, he died. Yeah, he died one month later. Uh, so he wasn't long for, wasn't long for the group. Um, so sorry, he, uh, yeah, he died five days after his 27th birthday, um, after overdosing. Um, which is uh, which is tragic, um, and Spicoli also um, one of his he he was a no name in wrestling mostly through uh, through ECW. Um, he had a stop in WWF as a uh, Rad Radford. He was in ECW and he seemed to get a fair bit of known there, uh, known a bit there. But he um, he was heavily involved in drugs. Um, he was also the mainstay of a company, um, f for its two years of existence, um, EWF, the Empire Wrestling, uh, the Empire Wrestling Federation. Uh, and he was the innovator of the popular move, the Death Valley Driver. Um, so then, uh, after Spicoli, um, tragically passed, you then had um, Dusty Rhodes shockingly join at Sold Out of 1998, January 24th. Um, so he joined as he, he was a friend of Scott Hall's and he was an opposing manager. And then he, he also joined um, shockingly because at that point, everybody was joining NWO. Like I said, there is an actual reason, um, and we can debate all the live long day about who should have actually been in the NWO, because uh, there's a, about two coming up where you're like, no, and then one where it's like, yes, um, like he benefited and he not it not only benefited for him, it benefited the group. Uh, so next up after Dusty, um, he was uh, was Brian Adams, who joined in February 16th, 1998. Uh, then a week, about about a week later at Super Brawl, uh, Scott Steiner joined uh, the NWO. Uh, and Scott's edition was a great one. It benefited his career. It benefited the group. Scott had it uh legit like a lot of a legit badass aura um and it helped him ascend and it made when you're looking at some of the other additions to the group scott makes sense especially when 
right after the next, <laughs> like the very next day, um, Brutus the Barber Beefcake, <laughs> aka uh, at this point the disciple, um, he was a. Uh, he he was added to the group uh during his uh during his time in WCW he had been also known as the uh let's see uh he was just known as the butcher where he somehow got a main event magic starcade um he then became the man with known as the man with no name uh he then joined as the zodiac uh, that was with the awful Dungeon of Doom. And then he later became the Booty Man. Uh, it was the gimmick of a man who was infatuated with his own butt. So, yeah. Yeah. That was a thing. Uh, so then there was the Disciple. Cool look, terrible gimmick, and terrible addition to the group. Um and then we, and then now's a good time to uh, explain the NWO Japan because at this time there's also a split, and we can explain why there was so many, um, so many additions to the group and where it went wrong, um, or how it it kind of shot itself in the foot. Um, so, and WCW had a great working relationship with New Japan. Uh, so they formed an NWO group in Japan and it became very, very successful. Uh, and the NWO Japan group was huge. The NWO was huge. It was selling a big amount anywhere. Um, so the NWO Japan also had two different names cause they, it did operate as both heels and then later faces. Um, it was also known as NWO Gundam or NWO Typhoon. They were a heel under uh, Masahiro Chono, so sorry, um, and also a face under Mudo or the Great Muta. Um, so those groups, it was formed by uh, Masahiro Chono, Hiro Saito, and Hiroshi Tenzin. Uh, Scott Norton joined uh, later in 1997. In February, the group was formed in December of 1996. Uh, Buff Bagwell joined uh, in 1997 and left the NWO Japan side of things, but still was in the NWO in September of 1997. Uh, NWO Sting found his greatest success uh, in the group um, and was a member from from February of 1997 through 1999. You also had the great Muda joining uh, in May 1997 and becoming a leader um, after Chono was injured um, and left the group in August of 1998. It was also a fun, interesting story with that uh, because <laughs> Muda uh was also Muto. They're the same person, but playing two different characters. Uh it's almost like if you think of uh McFoley in the 1998 Royal Rumble coming out as his three different characters. Uh but you'd have stuff where 
Muto would be the face. Muta would be the England in WO. And he'd leave. He'd leave as the face, come back out as the heel. And I think there was a great segment where Muto also joined the NWO Japan. And it Japan is wild in so many awesome ways. Um so then the next member to join was Michael Wall Street. Interestingly enough, he jo- oh, he joined in May 1997 after being removed from the group on the WCW side of things, uh, I believe by J.J. Dillon. Um, he joined the NWO version of the group uh, from May 1997 until... Um, until February of 1999. You also had uh, founding NWO members and the original uh, incarnation of the Wolfpack. It was a, a like a three-member subgroup, much like the Elite to the Bullet Club later. Um, you had uh, Scott Hall and Kevin Nash, founders of the NWO, and the seventh member, Six, uh, Sean Waltman, they also joined NWO Japan uh, when they went on a tour uh, in in May of 1997. Uh, the next member that joined for several tours was uh, Tat, uh, Tat, Tatsuoshi Goto, uh, then Mikiyoshi Ohara. They joined for several tours. Uh, then we had uh, Big Titan joining the team beyond a couple, C, a couple tours in 1997, and he left the group in... April 1999, due to injury. Um, and Big Titan is most famously known as uh, Fake Razor Ramon. Uh, so this is a this is definitely a, an improvement for the guy. Um, and it's cool that I'm now just realizing you had both versions of Razor Ramon in a version of the NWO. Uh, then Akira joined in... Um, Akira, or also known as uh, Akira Nogami, uh, he joined in 1998 and left the group in February of 1999. Brian Adams joined the group in 1998. And the final addition uh, was uh, Sat- uh, Satoshi Kojima, um, and he joined in October of 1998. And the NWO Japan was around from... Uh, December of 1996 through January of 2000. So the NWO Japan did uh, provide some uh, members over there. It carried over that storyline of this organization trying to take over another organization, uh, holding the top title almost ransom in a way, because uh, a number of the NWO Japan members were IWGP heavyweight champions and I believe tag champions as well. Um, and it outlasted the original NWO and some of its, uh, and actually uh, it outlasted the original run of the group because uh, the original NWO actually, in a way, disbands in uh, in January, sorry, not January, in uh, April of 1998. And this is where we get to the reason why there were so many members added. So, uh, Eric Bischoff had been mandated by Ted Turner because of how successful Nitro was going. He was forced, more or less, um, to create a second show. WCW didn't want to do Thunder. 
Bischoff didn't want to do Thunder. Uh, nobody <laughs> wanted to do Thunder. But uh, the person running the network was like, no, you're so successful. You're going to do another show. You're going to do another two-hour show. So they had to do Thunder. So they had to add more talent. The idea was um, one was going to be the NWO show, probably Nitro, and the second show was going to be the main WCW show. Now, with that, it wouldn't be like NWO, only NWO roster members fight NWO roster members. It was, You were going to have NWO, you were going to have some WCW guys there that would be also face and heels, not necessarily joined with the NWO, but then you were getting the face group of the NWO, the NWO Wolfpack. Uh, and I used an 8-bit version of the theme on the way in because I'll be honest, as classic as the you can joke the porn and uh, porn music NWO theme is um <laughs> to me the Wolfpack uh NWO theme is the one of the coolest themes um from wrestling period but it uh, was the dopest NWO theme and it oozes cool it it really does um so the Wolfpack was designed to be the face group of the NWO um, and there were story, uh, the storyline at the time was like, look, uh, Nash and Savage were realizing like Hogan's not out for the group. He's out for himself. Um, so then Hogan, uh, so the Nash and Savage split, um, off from the NWO and they show up with NWO, um, red, uh, like the NWO shirts with, um, with the red and then, a week or so later, they debut with the uh, Wolfpack theme. Um, and then notable WCW people who had never joined the NWO, first Lex Luger and then Sting, uh, most famously and controversially joined the group. Uh, so Nash split off um, in April 27th, 1998. Uh, Hall was off with an injury at the time. And then for a little bit, he he joined the Wolfpack. Um, Savage was a founding member with, um, with Nash as well. He joined, uh, he, he went with him uh, the very next week. Uh, Conan joined as well and he lended the group, uh, a great level of street cred, um, cause Conan has it. Like you can look at some of the people in the group, i.e. Lex Luger and be like, that's a grown man just playing a, a character. Conan, you could believe was the street aesthetic that the NWO oozed and it was something they wanted to implement and Conan had that effortlessly. Um, you also had Kurt Henning join, uh, but he abandoned about a month later. Dusty Rhodes joined, uh, but he abandoned with Scott Hall when Scott turned his back on Kevin at uh, Slamboree on May 17th of that year. Miss Elizabeth joined, but then defected. Uh, Rick Rude joined, but then defected. 
NWO shenanigans. At this point, it was we're trying to set up the infighting. Uh, we're trying to stack our roster. Uh, Bret Hart was brought in for this reason, um, not to do with the NWO, but to add a big name on Thunder. But also you had a big, uh, large number of talent refusing to work on Thunder. So the roster split wasn't panning out. And it led to more, me- like, that was the reason they added more members to the NWO because there was going to be a show. There needed an NWO outside of Goldberg was, and Sting was the cash cow of WCW. And then if they're having to launch a new show and they're being forced to, they're trying to add as much of that cash cow as possible. But then what their plans were aren't working uh, so then you're running into further issues. I've always been a fan of the Wolfpack. Um, in some ways, it's not in terms of impact, but it is in some ways my favorite little version of the NWO. Um, it's that dope theme, and I, I've always been a sucker for red and black aesthetic. Um I'm not going to pretend it had the it was nearly as successful as the OG NWO. It wasn't. It was out of the splinter groups that come after it. It is the most, in my opinion, most impressive and most successful. Um, and I realize I kind of brush past uh, things. So I'll, I'll get to that in a second. Uh, Lex Luger joined on May 25th. And then a week or so later, he got Sting, uh, who was a WCW mainstay, to join an NWO group. But they were faces, so you were all right with it. Um, and then in later in 1998, uh, Scott Hall, after having his feud, his controversial feud with, uh, with Kevin Nash, um, he rejoined in November of 1998. Sting was out of the group at Halloween Havoc, uh, because he suffered an injury. He wasn't like storyline written out of the group. Um, so one of the biggest things involving the NWO happened uh at starcade 1997 and this could be an episode to itself and i'd really recommend people not just to go with the online narrative you can hear things from sting about how he understands why everything happened the way it happened but it seemed like the logical thing was sting is going to win at starcade 1997 no referee shenanigans sting has gone on the record saying he was not under necessarily under the influence, but not in a good place and not showing up in a way to necessarily work. Uh, he is showing up looking disheveled, uh, showing up not looking like the superhero character that he had been presented to be. Uh, he's looking slim and out of shape and disheveled. Um, and he's going through a lot of emotional turmoil at the time, so he's also not communicating with people. So there was a decision to change the straightforward clean finish at Starcade that year. Now, a lot of people will go on the, the anti-Hogan train, like, oh, he politicked. Um, Bischoff has said, like, yeah, Hogan did say uh, play a little bit of the creative control, but it wasn't to win or make Sting look weak. Uh, there had been some miscommunication with the referee. So the, the finish got changed, but it was a damned if you do, damned if you don't. Because uh, if you change it too much where Sting loses, then the whole last year and a half is a wash and people are pissed off. Uh, but if you do it in a way that undermines this whole storyline that's been there for the last year and a half, 
you're also shooting yourself in the foot. Uh, so they did change the finish where there was supposed to be a fast count. The ref did not do a fast count and it was a crap show. Um, and then Sting was stripped of the title, won it a couple months later. And then, it, but it didn't have, it wasn't the huge victory that it should have been. Uh, Starcade 1997 was the largest drawing pay-per-view in WCW's history. And for it to go out in controversy is not the best way. Uh, so then after you had the, um, the split, it became the NWO Wolfpack and the NWO Hollywood. Um, and the whole, like basically anybody who didn't join the Wolfpack, uh, stuck with Hollywood. And then you also had a couple people bomb back from the Wolfpack over to Hollywood. You also had, uh, NWO Sting when he wasn't showing up, uh, from, uh, when he wasn't doing his, uh, Japan duties, he was, tied to Hollywood. Then you also had a couple other members join. Now, Bret Hart was an associate member, but never officially a member of the Wolf of the NWO Hollywood. Um, Buff Bagwell joined um, like he carried over. Scott Norton carried over. Uh, but then the actual additions to the group um, were Stevie Ray um, and Horace Hogan and Barry Windham. Um, and they stuck around for the, uh, the controversial-ish, uh, NWOB team. Now, at this time, along with the, uh, along with NWO Japan, there, that was an official group. Then there was also the official spinoff group, NWO, uh, there were, outside of, uh, Japan, there was the NWO, there, sorry, Frank. Just messing up left, right, and center. Um, so you had the official groups, NWO, and then that that split into NWO Hollywood, NWO Wolfpack, and then there was also NWO Japan. At this time as well, there were some other groups um, that were forming that were based on the uh the nwo so you also had and i'm trying to find it um just because i want to get it correct um dang it where is it um okay yeah so you also had um <laughs> there was a parody faction uh in uh ecw uh the stevie richards uh led blue world order uh and it was just done as a uh, done as a parody, and they ran from 1996 uh, through 1998. Then they were <laughs> WWE for a hot minute uh, in 2005. Um, so the groups of the, the members of the Blue World Order <laughs> were the Blue Guy, uh, who was the Blue Meanie, uh, and he was a parody of Scott Hall. Then you had. Um, Stevie Richards, who was big Stevie Cool, who was parodying Kevin Nash, and then Nova, who was Hollywood Nova. <laughs> um, then, of course, you had a guy parodying um, Dennis Rodman, because Rodman, NBA legend Dennis Rodman joined the group. Uh, so then you had Thomas the Inchworm Rodman. Uh, there was also 7 Eleven, uh, who was a parody of Six, and then Stink who was a parody of Sting. There was also Fake Blue Meanie, 
who joined, who only made one appearance with the group <laughs> at TNA Hardcore Justice 2010, and it was a parody in New Japan. <laughs> Uh, BWO Japan, who was Taka Michinoku, Terry Boy, and Dick Togo. Uh, most famously, and one of my, my favorite NWO-inspired groups that really didn't get its, its due, um, was the LWO. It was not a spinoff of the New World Order, but it was a group of the Latino wrestlers, the Lucha wrestlers in NWO, uh, sorry, in WCW. And it was like, hey, the only people getting any screen time are people with WO, so we're going to do it. Uh, their logo was the, um, like the, not the Mexican flag, but it was those colors of green, white, and red. Uh, I actually love the logo um, and I, I enjoy the group. Um, so it was the idea of, hey, there was a real life conflict between Guerrero and uh, Bischoff. So then they turned it into a story. Um, it consisted of almost every Mexican wrestler on the roster. Um, and it it really didn't go anywhere, unfortunately. Um, their main feud was with Rey Mysterio because he was res uh, refusing to join the group. And also with Billy Kidman, who was the cruiserweight one, the cruiserweight champion at the time, and he was a on-off partner with uh, Rey Mysterio. Uh, Rey Mysterio was fo forced to join the group uh, against his will after losing a match with Eddie Guerrero, and Chavo Guerrero Jr. attempted to join the group um, several times, but his uncle Eddie did not allow it because. Chavo was playing an unst mentally unstable character who carried around a wooden horse named Pepe. Um, so members of the group were Eddie Guerrero, Rey Mysterio Jr., Juventud Guerrera, Psychosis, La Parca, El Dandy, Silver King, Volano Five, Hector Garza, Cicople, and Damien, and then Spider Flores, who, who did the bodyguard role. Um... This um, this group was uh, it didn't last long. It, it was formed in October fifth of nineteen ninety eight, and it was disbanded on January eleventh, nineteen ninety nine. Um, so on January first, Eddie Guerrero was involved in a uh, in a heart attack uh, in a car accident. So that. Uh, that led to them being like, "Hey, we're probably gonna end this group soon." Uh, three days later, three days later, storyline-wise, um, the two factions of the New World Order reunited, and then various members of the LWO were found lying unconscious uh, backstage. Um, the NWO basically bullied them into uh, demanded that they uh, disband immediately, or hey, more of you are gonna be beaten up. Uh, a week later, storyline-wise, Ric Flair asked the LWO to disband um, and fight for WCW, promising he would treat them better than Bischoff did and promising them money, women, and limousines. Everyone except Rey Mysterio <laughs> took him up on the offer, which is interesting and was a great story because Rey Mysterio was the most reluctant to join the group, and now he's the most loyal to the colors. Uh, the NWO then beat him down. 
uh, and forcibly tore off his LWO shirt, leading to the feud with Mysterio and the Outsiders. Um, and then later, they, uh, when Conan showed up to defend Mysterio, uh, they they ousted Conan from the group. Um, then later, member key members of the LWO, uh, when Eddie returned later that year, uh, he. Mysterio, Juventude, and Conan made the group known as the Filthy Animals. Um, the current wrestling group, Legaldo del Feltasma, uh, with their logo, uh, LDF actually pays a lot of homage to the LWO. Uh, so the LWO is looked back now with more fondness than it was at the time. At the time, it was viewed as oversaturation. Um so then you had the feud between the Wolfpack and NWO Hollywood that ended uh, around January 4th with the incredibly controversial finger poke of doom. So Kevin Nash won the WCW title at Starcade 1998, uh, controversially defeating Goldberg. Um, and then that's a different topic for a different time. Uh, then a couple weeks later, uh, he would lose the title in a to a finger poke to Hogan on Nitro, reforming the NWO, now known as the NWO um elite. Now they kept the they kept the colors of the Wolfpack, but there would also occasionally be a logo that would have both the white and the red. Um and various versions of it where the red was the W was red and the N and O were white or half and half even. Um, the NWO elite. Yeah, the 1999 is arguably the NWO at its worst, um, because at this point it's been going on for years. And the idea behind it was like, Hey, we're going to get like Goldberg's jets had cooled a bit. So it's like, Hey, we're going to reunite the NWO work and we're going to give a heel factory for Goldberg to work with for the year. And that makes sense. But WCW was in such bad state at the time. Now, the actual reason is you had people, there was a corporate merger that was mandating changes to WCW that made WCW successful and they couldn't do it anymore. Um, so there were a lot of huge changes in the back. A lot of people on burnout, including Bischoff himself, uh, who said, like, I should have called it quits in 1998. Um like the decisions from 1998 were starting to haunt 1999. Um, the NWO had dragged on at this point. Um, it probably shouldn't have rejoined, but it did. And on paper, the idea of a heel factory for Goldberg makes sense. Uh, instead of going down all the members, there were basically other people and notably notable joiners were somehow disco Inferno, uh, David Flair, Corey Wilson, and Rick Steiner, uh, but he never fully joined. There was also the NWOB team during this time um, that was led by Stevie Ray, um, the Giant, Kurt Hennig, Vincent, Scott Norton, Brian Adams, and Horace Hogan. Um, and the thing is, this group just kind of fizzled. It would have made sense if the other groups like split up if there was an actual storyline reason, but 
the feud with the wolf pack and that was just like oh it's all a ruse to get the title back and then this group just fizzled 1999 was not a good year for wcw uh and then speaking of fizzling um we get to later that year uh so the nwo elite and b team officially were gone by um august 16th of 1999 december 20th of 1999 it's hey we're going to reform the nwo and this was the short-lived nwo 2000 aka the nwo silver um and it's got that reason because it was the nwo logo but with silver on it um underlining the the name new because of a couple new members um and then it was like the band is back together. Uh, the founding, the leader and founding members of this group were Bret Hart, uh, Kevin Nash, and Scott Hall. Um, Jeff Jarrett was a founding member, and he later became the leader of the group um, after Bret Hart was injured several times, um, including a partially stemming from two concussions he got at Starcade. Um, 1999. Scott Steiner joined. Uh, the group on December 27th, 1999. Uh, then Ron and Don Harris joined in January of 2000. Uh, Mark Johnson, a referee, joined. Then we had several NWO girls, uh, Medeja, Tylene Buck, April Hunter, and Pamela Paulshock. Um, they were all in the, they were just the NWO go- girls of the group. But the group fizzled by April 10th of 2000, and it just kind of fizzled out, as was WCW at the time. So that was the end of NWO in WCW. Now, the NWO did make, uh, they did have a group in WWE, and that is my least favorite version of the faction, Yes, even least favorite than uh, Silver and Wolfpack and Hollywood. And okay, maybe not like maybe not least favorite than the B team. Uh, The advantage that Elite and 2000 have is the logo was dope. It was still dope, Um, and it was cool additions to the logo. I got to wrap this up because I got to work in like five minutes. the NWO joined the uh, the original trio were brought in as heels by Vince McMahon in February of 2002 uh, to be a lethal dose of poison. Um, but then Hogan got a huge face reaction at WrestleMania eight and then left the group. Uh, Kevin Nash was a founding member, um, but then he was injured. Uh, and then when he came back for, from an injury, he got immediately injured again. Uh, Scott Hall was a group, but was expelled and fired from the group um, and the company in May after the plane ride from hell. X-Pac joined the group on March 21st um, and was out of the group after it was officially disbanded on Raw, where Vince McMahon, after Kevin Nash went down with an injury, was like, hey, we're done with this. (laughs) The NWO was done. Um, Big Show joined the group. and was there until it was disbanded. Booker T joined the group and was expelled um, on June 10th. Shawn Michaels joined the group as a leader on June 3rd and then was there until it was uh, 
officially disbanded. Then it's the 20, uh, the WWF, <laughs> NWA has over the final two or three versions of the WCW one is, at least it was just, it was, it was dumb, uh, but it was storyline-wise just like, hey, you know what, nah, it's done. Uh, Kevin Nash, the last main member of the NWO involved, is injured again. We're, we're, we're just done. It didn't have the impact, um, it didn't do much and it debatably should not have been there. Uh, the NWO had a huge impact on wrestling, and I'm going to get into that with Mike a bit later. Um, and they, uh, like it, what they did to, um, what they did to wrestling cannot be, uh, cannot be overstated. Uh, their impact is still felt today. Uh, they impacted different companies. Uh, the hugely popular uh, group, the Bullet Club, and the club in WWE take so many cues from the NWO that they uh, many NWO members look at it almost as like the uh, official sequel group. Um, I can't compliment it enough. And as much as much as I might have enjoyed DX's antics back in back in the day, despite I despite what all WWE tries to hype it up, they never got to that. <laughs> uh, sorry that this is abrupt cut off. I did this uh, episode before work because I was uh, having a I was trying to fend off an anxiety attack, and now I've got about five minutes before work, so I gotta I gotta wrap up. Uh, join us in part two as we do look at more of that impact, and we are joined. Uh, by Radio Mike as we look at the impact of this insanely huge group. Um, we look at the impact in other wrestling companies, uh, further the, the impact in wrestling in general, but also the impact they had in pop culture. Because make no mistake, they impacted pop culture. They got outside of the normal wrestling bubble. I hope you enjoyed today's episode, and I hope you enjoy part two when we drop it. Take care, my friends. <laughs>